Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey, everyone. Before we get started, I want to tell you about Blue Wire Hustle, a brand new program where you can host your very own podcast here at Blue Wire. Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level. Or if you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, Q&As with Blue Wire's top podcasters, access to our community discord, and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks. And on top of that, we'll help you get your show pushed out to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and all other listening platforms. And the best part is, you can get all of this for only $15 a month. The same rate as any other hosting site would charge you just for the initial setup. So whether you're starting from scratch or have an existing show that you want to grow, Hustle is an open door to leveling up your sports podcasting experience. Acceptance into the program is limited, so get your application in today. To apply, go to bwhustle.com slash join. Check out the description box for this episode to find out more, but that's bwhustle.com slash join. We're talking early best ball values on Roto-Viz Radio. What's up, Roto-Viz? Welcome back to Roto-Viz Radio. I'm Dave Cabin, Senior Fantasy Analyst at Roto-Viz, joined by Matthew Friedman of Fantasy Labs and the Action Network. We talked about some of the news items last week. I mentioned that I have already started hopping into some best ball leagues. I thought it would make sense to help some of our listeners that do play in best ball leagues try to identify players that we believe are values at their current ADP, and as a result, players should try to get their exposure to them now. 
Matt, just out of curiosity, and I know you have a lot going on with the draft coming up. Have you played in any best ball leagues yet? Or are you going to have to, you know, wait things out till we get a little bit closer to the season? Yeah, I don't. Uh, so uh, I should say I sound like a fraud. I haven't done any best ball leagues yet. Um, a lot of it is uh, simply laziness. Um, and that I just feel I'm focused on other things, but I don't think now is a bad time. I think now is actually a good time to be doing best ball, especially if you know what you're doing, because you might be competing against some other people who uh, don't know quite as much what they're doing. Although I'm looking at FFPC ADP and, uh, I mean, you know, there are some things where I might disagree, but there are certain players where I look at it and I'm like, well, that's sharp. Like, like that is not what I would expect to see in your typical friends and family league. Yeah, for sure. So, one of the things is uh, if you are a Rotoviz subscriber, and yes, I'm going to plug the tools here, um, which I should because they're awesome. If you pop into the roster construction explorers, there's a lot of information that you can gain that is going to give you an advantage over, and we talk about this a lot, like there's more to it than just picking the right players. Obviously, getting players that values that pan out is a huge piece of it. But I've started playing in some of the super flex best ball leagues, and given the tools, there are definitely ways that you can up your kind of like baseline win percentage based upon the findings in those tools. So yeah. what we're going to do now, Matt, is I'm just going to kind of, or we'll do this together. We'll look at, each round and we have the draft grade out of the um, FFPC best ball um, shares and ADP tool. And, um, and and just for anybody out there that might be listening, if they look at this and they want to know, this does include um, reversal. So Matt, if you're looking at this, uh, Darren Waller really is going at, uh, at the turn between round one and two, which is kind of crazy, yeah. but let's just focus well, it's, on it's tied in. It's tied in premium, right, right. At FFPC, so it makes more sense. Yeah, that does. Okay, so let's start with round three. Um, if you're looking in round three, Matt, any players that pop out to you there as values? Why are we starting in round three? You think that you, you want to start in round one? Yeah, I mean, do you think there are any... I don't know if we need to start in round one. Okay, well, but, so this uh, is... Okay, okay, here, here's... Sorry, I, I know I already derailed the show. Yeah, yeah, go for it. Okay. I actually enjoy um, when you derail the show. I think we get some of our best conversations when you do. Okay. Um, I think Ezekiel Elliott going at, uh, you know, as the RB7 at the end of the first round, that's not a value. I'd say, like, that's the opposite of a value where that just feels incredibly aggressive to me. Uh, and so seeing him there, seeing Aaron Jones as the RB12, seeing J.K. Dobbins as the RB13, like all of that signals to me that there are running backs in round three who are likely to provide a lot of value. So like, yes, we can we can start at round three, but I just kind of wanted to set it up. Like the, these guys are slipping into round three because drafters are making decisions that I, uh, I don't know, I don't know if I want to say vehemently agree with even DeAndre Swift going as the RB11 uh, in, in round two. Like all of that seems very aggressive to me. In round three, I would prefer Antonio Gibson. I would prefer Joe Mixon. I prefer Clyde Edwards Lair. Um, I think that is where you get a lot of value in round three. Yeah, I think that's perfectly fair. Um, you know, it is interesting when you see Aaron Jones jump up, uh, or Aaron Jones, I guess I would say fall. Um, even though we don't know what's going to happen with him, I'm probably more interested in him at this point, I think, than Zeke Elliott. I also think it's really interesting to see that J.K. Dobbins is going as the RB13, still in round two, ahead of Antonio Gibson. That's ridiculous. 
Yeah, and and I I think I would even make a case that I'd rather have Clyde Edwards-Lair than J.K. Dobbins because as we've talked about before, you still need a fair amount of things to work out well for Dobbins to really pan out this year at a second round RB13 valuation. And it's not that we don't like Dobbins, it's just the context of that offense. Uh, And Edwards-Lair kind of disappointed, but still, if I'm looking at his road, I still think that he's a decent player. In the range of outcomes, it just seems so much more likely to me that Edwards-Lair has a much higher likelihood of deserving a round 280p than Dobbins. Yeah, absolutely. So, it's not that Dobbins is bad. Dobbins has a ton of talent. It's just that we could still see Gus Edwards sign with the team. Uh, you know, J.K. Dobbins might not be the guy who scores a lot of touchdowns. So there are just there are things working against Dobbins to where drafting him in the second round feels very aggressive relative to some of the guys who are going after him in round three. Yeah, and that's a one point to make here because we now did identify a couple of guys in round three that look like they could be values. Is of course the challenge here is on your team. You're only going to be able to get one of those guys. Um, unless though, I, I do think we need to talk about James Robinson, who's going in round three right now at running back 18. I think that if you're expecting production from last year, you can make a case that he's a value. But as we've talked about before, that is not an assumption that feels like one you should be making now. Of course, if you're drafting best ball teams, you're probably getting a lot of exposure. Um, what do you think though, Matt? Do you think that, um, well, you have to imagine, right, if Jacksonville drafts a running back, then obviously his value is going to fall. If they don't, it's going to move up. So I, I don't know if that speaks to that now is the time to get exposure to him or not. Maybe you're um, kind of like hedging if you if you, if you you get it now. But I still think if I'm looking at players, like I said, Edwards, Alaire, Antonio Gibson, Joe Mixon, maybe you'd rather have... Um, I don't know. What do you what do you think about that Robinson here? Or do you just do you just forget about him? Uh, I don't think his ADP is ever going to be higher than it is now. Um, and so I would not be touching him because okay. there's a chance that it drops. Uh, whether it's through free agency or the draft, I think they will bring someone in. And even if they don't, I don't know if that really moves Robinson's ADP up all that much. Because I think people are still going to expect that someone else on the team, some other running back, is going to have at least some usage. Robinson isn't going to be like the most used guy in the league the way that he was last year. Okay. All right. That's fine. Um, I guess there anybody else in this round that you feel is, is a super great value that we need to mention? Yeah. Uh, at the top of round three, Calvin Ridley and AJ Brown feel as if they uh, are just as good as the guys going ahead of them in round two. And so it's not to say that, you know, like they're going too late, but that they are providing value where they are going. And, and if it happens to be that they go earlier and that means that Justin Jefferson falls to round three or Michael Thomas falls to round three, then that will be the guy who provides value. It's, it's more of just an indicator that the wide receivers who are available in, where, in round three, I think those will be the guys who provide value. Yeah, and for those of you that wouldn't be listening to the draft, uh, to the draft grid, or that wouldn't be viewing the draft grid, will you listen? Which would probably be just about everybody. Why we're seeing Calvin Ridley and AJ Brown available at the round three turn is because there's those three tight ends going, and then fourteen 
running backs. So there's right now a lot of running backs that I think drafters yeah. are interested in. And there's, you know, a pretty solid group of wide receivers at the top. I mean, the only one I really have significant question marks about here, Matt, is Michael Thomas, who's going as wide receiver seven. Um, you know, so, I, you know, a lot of attractive options it's looking like right now. Let's move into round four. Three quarterbacks are going in round four, which is interesting. Lamar Jackson, Kyler Murray, Josh Allen, and then just two running backs, Kareem Hunt and Travis Etienne. Uh, Mark Andrews going as the tight end four in round four. I think that seems okay. Are there any values that you see popping out to you, though, when we look at this list? Yeah, I think this is a uh, a wide receiver power alley right here. You have Mike Evans, Julio Jones, Amari Cooper, uh, Terry McLaurin, all of those guys I would be very happy to get in round four because I, I think all of them have legitimate paths to providing value as if they had been drafted in round two. So this looks like an ideal place to go wide receiver. Yeah, you know, an interesting thing too, Matt, is if you just look at this grid, Team nine happens to just follow it with Tyreek Hill, Stefan Diggs, Keenan Allen, and Mike Evans. That is yeah. an absurd wide receiver grouping that you could put together to start a draft. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Um, you know, it's interesting, too, seeing Kareem Hunt at RB23, Nick Chubb at RB8. We talked about that a little bit before, so let's just press along. Uh, TJ Hawkinson, you and I talked about in the last episode. He's going in round five. And of course, as, as you astutely mentioned, we're talking tight end premium. So maybe that's not surprising. Um, we actually see the rookie Javante Williams popping into this round. Chris Carson making his way in. Also, Dak Prescott, Deshaun Watson, and Justin Herbert. So quarterbacks going early and often uh, in current best balls. I think a player here that's really interesting to talk about is Kenny Galladay. We don't know where he's going to end up. I've always thought Kenny Galladay, very talented receiver. Uh, in comparison to Adam Thielen, who's going in this round, you know what? I think what I'm taking away from this exercise, Matt, is that a lot of these, there's just a lot of good wide receiver picks to be had. And rather than pick out who's the value, I'm going to say that the bad play here might be Adam Thielen. What do you think? Yeah, I, I think that's fair. Um, with Justin Jefferson emerging, especially in the second half of the season, we saw Adam Thielen take a step back, especially in, in target share. Uh, so Thielen, I mean, I think he's a fine all around receiver, but, uh, he was really getting it done last year with touchdowns, which can be pretty fickle year to year, uh, and with targets down the field. Uh, and maybe that's something that continues, but Jeff Jefferson is like just clearly the guy in Minnesota. So not so hot on Adam Thielen. The, the two guys at wide receiver who stand out most to me in this round, uh, one is DJ Moore, yep. um, who I think continued last year to look like a future, I, I don't know if I'd say superstar, but like a future long-term, highly above average veteran. Uh, and so I think he's great here in round five. Uh, and then Deontay Johnson, who was inefficient last year, and we're not exactly sure what's going to be happening with his quarterback position uh, in Pittsburgh you know, likelier than not that Ben Roethlisberger stays, but, you know, that's not for sure. But Deontay Johnson was just targeted so prolifically last year. And now under the assumption that Juju Smith-Schuster will be gone, uh, it looks like that volume will be pretty sustainable in this upcoming season. That kind of volume, I think he provides a lot of value in round five as someone you can still get within the top 24 at the position. Got it. 
Uh, and, you know, there's still intriguing names, Matt, as wide receivers. We move our way into round six. Notable things in this round, we see two more quarterbacks going, Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers. At the tight end position, we see Noah Fant and Dallas Garter. Again, we talked about them uh, earlier in the week. Uh, go. So the receivers in this round, you still have to like this grouping. Juju Smith-Schuster, DJ Chark, Tyler Lockett, Cooper Cup, Chase Claypool, Brandon Ayuk. I know which receiver I'm least interested in in this round, but uh, who is it for you? Least interested in. That's interesting. Um, <laughs> Cooper Cup? Is that is that the guy? Or no? Oh, no, I'm a sucker for Cooper Cup. Uh, that's is it not, Juju? No. Okay, just tell me. It's Tyler Lockett, I actually have yeah. to say. I mean, for, for best ball, especially, I don't mind him. Fair um, point, yeah. Because... Because he does have those those peak performances, um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I can I can see why, especially with DK Metcalf emerging and uh, presumably that offense returning to more of a, a run focused approach this upcoming season. The guy who really stands out this round to me is AJ Dillon going in the sixth round as the RB twenty six. Like that is the sign that this is a sharp a sharp draft, or like these are sharp drafters entering best ball this early in the year. Uh, and I mean, in your normal friends and family league, I'm highly doubtful that you will see AJ Dillon going as the RB 26, right? Especially at this time of the year. Um, but, uh, and even later on, I think people will be like, who's AJ Dillon. Uh, but AJ Dillon going in round six, like not to say that there's no value there, but that's not like the value I would be hoping to get out of AJ Dillon in most leagues. So here's the crazy thing, right? In the drafts that I've been in, I have had A.J. Dillon in the queue, and I've had the conversation with myself a couple of times. Do I just go ahead and make the pick on him now, or do I try to wait? I've made the decision of trying to wait two times, and he's ended up just going before I would expect. So moral of the story is that these are sharp drafters. Like you said, we're not going to normally see A.J. Dillon going, but... Just another reason to be excited in A.J. Dillon because the people that are super invested into fantasy football, the people that spend all the time with it, and presumably the sharper players, are really proving that A.J. Dillon is a guy that should... Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Could be heavily sought out after in fantasy football this year. Let's take a quick break, though. Hey, Rotoviz Radio listener. This is Curtis Patrick from the Dynasty Command Center podcast, and I've got a special deal for you today. Go to rotoviz.com. Click the subscribe button, put the 12-month subscription in your cart, and use promo code RVRADIO21. That's RVRADIO21, and you're going to save 10%. Taking advantage of this deal, getting your hands on what's included in the package, is the best way to enhance your performance this year. So go to rotoviz.com and subscribe now. Okay, Matt, so I actually... 
while we were listening to the dulcet tones of Curtis Patrick, uh, you know, try to convince people as to why they need to take advantage of that, dis- uh, you know, discount, which they should. While that was going on, I just popped up on the clock in an FFPC league. I have three running backs currently. They're Aaron Jones, Clyde edwards Delaire, and Derrick Henry. I am going with a hyper-fragile strategy here. I'm only going to draft four running backs in this draft. I'm actually on the clock. Tell me which one of these running backs you would take, Matt. Kenyon Drake, Miles Gaskin, David Johnson, Damien Harris, Jeffrey Wilson, Naheem Hines, Zach Moss, Tony Pollard, or James Conner. This is round nine, by the way. Okay. Can you list those guys one more time? Yep. Kenyon Drake, Miles Gaskin, yeah. David Johnson, Damien Harris, Jeffrey Wilson, Naheem Hines, Zach Moss, Tony Pollard, James Conner. Um I feel a little bit better about Miles Gaskin relative to some of those other guys. If you're like, like keeping in mind that it's best ball and that you're going with only four. Um, because who knows what's happening with Kenyon Drake at this point. So, I mean, there's a, a chance he's not even in the league or something like that. Yep. David Johnson feels pretty fra- fragile. Uh, I think you mentioned, did you mention Raheem Mostert or no? I didn't. I actually, um, somebody recently took him in this draft, so he's gone. Yeah. But Jeffrey Wilson so, is there, which is interesting. Yeah, Wilson Wilson is there, but I feel like he should be going a little bit later. Yep. James Conner, we also don't know what team he's going to be on. You know, Miles Gaskin, when he played last year, he looked really good. And it's you know a different offensive coordinator, but the same coaching staff. Um, Gaskin, I think he's just a safer overall play, and he does have significant upside based on how he was used in the second half of last year. Yeah, the thing that concerns me is I think that we see Miami draft a running back. Of course, if we don't, then Gaskin here is probably a pretty solid pick. So maybe this is the time where I get my Miles Gaskin exposure. You talked me into it. I'm doing it. Boom. Locked in. All right. We can get back to uh, talking about uh, round seven we were on. Um, We see three tight ends going in this round. Hunter Henry, Mike Gusecki, Logan Thomas. Matthew Stafford going at QB 10, then Ryan Tannehill, Joe Burrow in here. Uh, you have Cortland Sutton, Jamar Chase, Tyler Boyd, Ronald Jones, Kenyon Drake, Miles Gaskin. So actually, in the draft that I just picked in, I got Gaskin at a pretty significant discount. Um, yeah. Out of those players that we just listed, any of those guys you view as, as great values? Uh, I mean, loath as I am to talk about Tyler Boyd, um, Going in this round is the wide receiver, you know, 32 ish. Um, I think there's some value there. And Logan Thomas going as the tight end 10, uh, based on how he was used last year, especially in the second half of the season. Um, I don't know. I think, I think there's significant upside with both of those players. So they would be guys that I am targeting in this range. I can't believe Stafford is going as the QB 10 off the board. Like I I see the upside that he has within that offense, but he's like, why would you draft Stafford now when you could get Jalen hurts later? Or I don't know, like Carson Wentz later. Like I don't see, it's not like I'm in love with Carson Wentz, but I don't see a significant enough of a difference between Stafford at 10 in Carson Wentz at 20 to make me think that you need to draft Stafford now. I think that this is what's going on. There's the perception that McVay 
is this really great offensive coach and that maybe he just needed somebody better to operate the system. Then you have two wide receivers that are good wide receivers, you know, very solid wide receivers in fantasy and, you know, a good running back. And I think it looks like this situation that sets up really nicely. You can, you can package it very nicely. However, though, I don't think that those players are good enough that they elevate Stafford's play to a point where you have to go ahead and reach for him. I mean, it is conceivable with you when you look at these other names that he does finish in that range. But I, I get your point, especially about the fact that Jalen Hurts would be hanging around. Uh, but I think that's kind of the psychology of what we're seeing with people. I, I think that also, you know, it's it's a fairly new change, which makes people get more excited. It is interesting, though, that with a group of players that you would expect to be a little bit sharper that we're seeing Stafford go there. But maybe we're just, uh, you know, less optimistic than we should be. Yeah, I mean, to, to put this in perspective, Stafford and Joe Burrow are going in the same round. Stafford is QB 10, Burrow is QB 12. There's no way I ever take Stafford ahead of Burrow. You know what I mean? Like, I just, like, I have a sense of what Matthew Stafford is going to do. Even if you make some sort of mental adjustment for the fact that he's now in a Sean McVay offense, we have a sense of who Matthew Stafford is and what a quarterback looks like in that offense. With Burrow, there's more that's unknown there's more upside there with him. You know what I mean? And he and he does have running ability that Stafford just does not have. Yep. Yeah. Perfectly fair. Um, you know, the name that stood out to me here as pretty interesting um, is actually there's two names. Uh, I think it's interesting to see Cortland Sutton at wide receiver 31. Didn't play last year. Uh, this is a bit of a drop compared to, I think, where you would have been getting him last year. He would have been more of a fourth or fifth round player. And we didn't see Jerry Judy really come out and kill it. So, you know, maybe there's an opportunity there. Uh, but I'm I'm curious about your thoughts about Jamar Chase. Do you th- think that it's likely or less likely that after the draft, Jamar Chase is going to be valued higher by fantasy players than he currently is at wide receiver 30? Or is that about as high as he could get? I think he could get higher um, because he's got a good chance of going in the top 10 and that's probably already baked into where people are drafting him anyway. But I think the likeliest landing spots are Miami, in which case I think he's probably the number one receiver right away or pretty close to it. Um, If it's not Miami, then I think there's a decent chance that it is Detroit where he would be the number one receiver right away Uh, or Philadelphia, where Mm -hmm. again, I think he's the number one receiver right away. Uh, And so although people are maybe drafting him thinking that he's a top 10 pick and maybe that he has a number of targets coming his way, I don't know if people are, are kind of connecting the dots and thinking he's the number one receiver in his offense right now. But I, I do think wherever he goes, he's likely to be the number one receiver in his offense. And that's pretty significant. You, you put that workload together with the talent that he has. Um, yeah, it's not inconceivable that he finishes as a wide receiver too. Fair enough. Um, let's, let's pop into uh, round eight though. I think round eight, we have another rookie going. That's really interesting. So Kyle Pitts already going as the tight end 13, does that feel a little too rich to you? I know we're kind of getting off the topic I hear of, of looking for values, but that just pops out to me yeah. as something we need to talk about. Uh, I mean, I think it's fine. He's going after Robert Tunyon 
after Evan Ingram, but before Irv Smith, before Zachers, before Hayden Hurst, maybe I would have Irv Smith ahead of him. You know, like maybe there were some guys here or there I would have ahead of Pitts, but um, like I get it. He's an upside pick. And honestly, looking at this, looking in my rankings, I have him at tight end 13. Um, you know, not to say like that's, you know, like gospel or anything, but like, I get it. He does have significant upside. Um, and the guys who are after him specifically, none of those guys really blows me away. So, uh, I, you know, I think round eight tied in 13, like that's a fine point just to start taking shots. Got it. Fair enough. Four quarterbacks going in this round. So you have Jalen Hurts, Tom Brady, Matt Ryan, Trevor Lawrence. Does that make Jalen Hurts a value at round eight? Or are we still in a range where this is where he should be going? But based upon what we talked about last episode, I think you we, we kind of have to then. We're kind of forced to say that he is a value at this point. Despite yeah, being a quarterback. I mean, I hate, in, yeah. I hate taking quarterbacks, you know, in the single digit rounds. But, you know, you look at even round 10, and at that point, there are like 20 quarterbacks off the board. So at some point, you just kind of have to start taking quarterbacks a little bit early. Taking Hurts as the quarterback 14, I think there's significant value there. So I would be very happy to, uh, to do that. Another guy who stands out in this round, uh, Leonard Fournette at RB31. Um, I mean, I don't really think all that highly of him, but he's decent enough as a receiver. We know that just in terms of like how he's built, he can generally handle a bigger workload. I don't think he's going to be in Tampa Bay next year. Like, I think it's likely he ends up signing, you know, like a shorter term contract uh, with another team probably is the lead back. Like I could see him ending up in like New Jersey as the lead back or something like that. But New Jersey you know, at RB. Yeah, I mean, they, they need to sign someone. <laughs> yeah. um, I said, well, New Jersey, well, I mean, the New York Jets. I, but, I know you know, that's like, what you meant. I'm just, just thinking like them playing in New Jersey. Yeah. I know. I had to but, call like, you up for it, though. Yeah, he's going to have to end up somewhere. Um, and if they sign him, I think that means he's likely to at least be in a timeshare, but you know, maybe likelier the lead back. RB31 feels like it's kind of close to his floor. So, and I think there's significant upside from there. So, you know, if you're if you're waiting on the RB position and just looking to snipe some guys in some of the later rounds, I think Leonard Fournette isn't a bad option here. Yeah, I don't disagree at all with that. I actually, if you hadn't mentioned him, was going to bring it up because I think that a RB31 valuation in comparison to what you end up with, there's a lot of room for a very nice delta there. And you're also at the point where it doesn't feel like there's as far of a distance down that Fournette could probably fall. And even if he does at that point, you probably don't care that much. So um, I definitely think that that's a player that I'm going to try to get some exposure to at that price point. Uh, round nine, Matt, um, there is a player that kind of stands out to me is very intriguing. Uh, I will list off some of these players so that listeners have an idea. At tight end, there's Hayden Hurst, Zach Ertz, Irv Smith, quarterback, Kirk Cousins, Baker Mayfield. Uh, Chase Edmonds, Damian Harris, the only running backs. Then you have Debo Samuel, Marquise Brown, LaVisca Chenault, Devonta Smith, and Robbie Anderson at wide receiver. Any of those names really pop for you? I mean, Chase Edmonds, in theory, this is under the assumption that Kenyon Drake does not return to Arizona. And so maybe Edmonds right now looks like the lead back. The thing is, I'm kind of skeptical that he actually does become the lead back. So even though, it, like right now, 
it looks like he's someone who might be positioned to be the leader in the backfield. I'm probably not investing, but you know, maybe I'm just, maybe I'm just wrong there. Um, the guy who stands out the most is I, at least to me, like Debo Samuel. I don't know if there's that much of a difference between Brandon Ayuk as the wide receiver 24 going in round six and Debo Samuel is the wide receiver 35 going in round nine. So just kind of as an arbitrage play, between two guys on the same team, I like Samuel quite a bit. And that doesn't mean I dislike Ayuk. Like, I see the upside there, but I think Samuel has an upside that is really similar. Yeah, you know, I really like the fact that you can get a player like Debo Samuel in the ninth. And the and the other thing that's great about Samuel that does give him some upside uh, is the fact that I do see the team continuing to try to use him as a rusher, scheme him in in different ways, which in like a in a best ball format, you know, maybe that pushes him, uh, you know, to being a big contributor for you a week here or there. The name that I did want to bring up, and perhaps you couldn't frame this as a value, but I think it's very interesting to have him here going at wide receiver 39 is Robbie Anderson. Uh, do I expect that we're going to see another stretch in 2021, like how he started off last year? I don't know if I expect that, but I do think that it's possible if Carolina does end up getting Deshaun Watson, uh, you see Anderson's ADP start to creep up a little bit. So now is probably a time that would be worth going after him. And then even outside of that, you know, if he approximates 75, 80% of what he did last year in stretches and you're getting him in the ninth round, maybe that is a value. Yeah, I think so. Um, it's the same offense, presumably a new quarterback, but still the same offense. I think he will have a similar role. And it's not as if he was performing, like he was getting more volume than he's had at previous points in his career, but it's not as if he was performing at an outrageous efficiency level where you look and think, okay, he's bound to regress. He had 8.1 yards per target, which is like right there in line with what he had done in his previous seasons. So as long as the targets continue, I think we should see him play at a similar level of efficiency on a per target basis in terms of creating yards. And I think we would definitely see him be more more efficient at turning his targets into touchdowns. Had only three touchdowns last year on 136 targets. Uh, I mean, almost destined, I would say, to score more touchdowns this year. So, yeah, as the wide receiver 39, you know, that's, uh, I think, pretty significant value. So I'm with you there. Yeah. I mean, to put things in perspective here, as you said, this was a player who was getting targeted a lot, failed to score a touchdown between weeks two. Uh, and week 11 went, went in complete drought there, which is just something you don't normally see for a player with that volume. You know, not that Anderson is a touchdown scoring machine by any stretch of the imagination, but that gives him a lot of room to maybe offset regret, you know, regression that we might see in other areas. Maybe he's not quite as efficient. Maybe he doesn't get quite as many targets, but he balances things off by finding the end zone a little bit more. That brings us through round nine, Matt. Um, I think that we have exhausted our time for this episode. Unless in looking through this grid, anything else you know compels you to speak about it? I'll just say uh, a couple of guys in round 10. Yep. And we can end it there. Brandon Cooks going as the wide receiver 41. Uh, I feel like year in and year out, Brandon Cooks is always undervalued. Uh, people just seem to uh, abhor the thousand yard seasons that he gets every year. Uh, and it looks like it'll be the case this year. But I mean, he's had like a thousand yards in five of the past six years. 
feels like a pretty fair over-under for what he's going to be doing in this upcoming season. So uh, outside of the first nine rounds to get Brandon Cooks, I think that's fantastic. And uh, one more guy here, Jeffrey Wilson as the running back 36. Um, I think there's a pretty decent chance that he ends up being the guy uh, in San Francisco this year and not Raheem Mostert. So to get him outside of the first nine rounds, I think is pretty good value. All right. Very, very cool. All right. Well, as always, uh, you know, want to thank everybody for listening. That does do it for this week's final episode. As always, follow us on Twitter at DaveCabinFF and at MattFTheOracle. Thanks to Rotoviz for sponsoring this show. Make sure to rate, review, and subscribe. And as always, remember, it's not a fantasy if you believe it.